Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Rob Mina Show. How are we going to hold this U.S. government social media company Leviathan liable? Well, our guest this week is uh, Jason Fick, and he's got had a lawsuit against Facebook for quite some time. And the recent revelations in the so-called Twitter files only add more fire to that heated discussion about the part of the law called Section 230 that's been used by the courts to give nearly total immunity to these big tech oligarchs for their actions that have harmed users, con- users and content creators, whether they have opposing opinions or not, our reputations and finances have been harmed. He recently wrote in Human Events that if the Section 230 is applied correctly, the answer to the question of whether they can be held liable is absolutely yes, but with a caveat. A platform's generally understood to be a passive distributor of third-party information and a publisher generally is understood to be an active content moderator or editor. A publisher makes publishing decisions, for example, to allow or disallow or edit content, whereas a platform is a mere conduit of third-party information, like a broadcast pipeline. In other words, a platform unknowingly disseminates information and a publisher knowingly distributes information. There are differences knowingly versus unknowingly or passive versus active are very important in understanding the Section 230 distributor liability. Justice Clarence Thomas recently noted that Section 502 of the Communications Decency Act makes it a crime to knowingly display obscene material to children, even if a third party created that content. It's odd, he said, to hold, as courts have, that Congress implicitly eliminated distributor liability in the very act in which Congress explicitly imposed it, close quote. Justice Thomas is correct, says Jason Fick. It is odd to both impose and eliminate distributor liability in the very same statute. To understand and apply Section 230 protections correctly, it all comes down to whether the platform knowingly or unknowingly, active or passive, distributes the materials at issue. Jason Fick is the founder of the Social Media Freedom Foundation and the Online Freedom Caucus and co-author of the Online Freedom Act. Jason, my friend, welcome back to the Rob Mana Show. How are you? I'm good, Rob. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing good. Uh, I don't think our country's doing so well, though, with this whole Twitter file release, which goes much deeper than just Twitter as as you and I will get into uh, eventually in this. But, but I was pleased to see the, the movement uh, on the Section 230 cases. And we've had you on the show a couple times before. We've talked at length about the original case, your case against Facebook. Give us an update on, uh, and a reminder on what that case was all about originally and then where it's at now. Uh, yeah, sure. So... If we go back, uh, what ended up happening with me is I I had a a very large audience on Facebook. Uh, I had built a marketing and advertising business within essentially a a fun memes kind of, uh, you know, um, social media network. But I had up to like 38 million fans. Well, Facebook's business model, along with like Google's or Twitter's, does something that no other business model does. It competes against their own users. So it, it kind of put this disincentive to keep me on the platform like anybody else. Well, they eventually wiped out all of my pages, all of my businesses, because I simply, I just wasn't of any value to them. Well, of course, yeah. now 
that's translated into political, ideological, and, and lots of other values that they, they dislike, they simply eliminate. Well, the problem with that was is that I had caught them red-handed. In fact, it had nothing to do with my content. Absolutely no possible way it had to do with my content in the circumstances of my case. Well, in 2018, I sued them, and we took it to the courts, and the courts found that Section 230C1 prevents them from being treated as a publisher in the general sense. Now, most people think, and this is the general consensus and that what that article was about, is, is that they can do anything that's otherwise objectionable, they can remove it. Well, what if I told you that that doesn't even apply? Because if you can't treat the company as a publisher when it acts as a publisher, it is immune from all of its own conduct. That's the equivalent of sovereignty. And we've been saying that in court now for close to four and a half years, and nobody's been listening. And fortunately, the, the California courts, they actually immunized all of Facebook's conduct, like all everything that they, they did and so forth. Now, that sounds familiar, right, across the board, that these companies just, they can't be held accountable for their conduct. Well, that's because they can't be treated as a publisher. Now, yeah. we've been saying that's wrong. And the reason being is because if you can't treat them as a publisher under C1, removing content that's otherwise objectionable is publishing. It's irrelevant, right? It becomes superfluous. You don't need that other portion of the law. Well, I'm not alone anymore. I've been saying it, been screaming at the top of my lungs, but nobody was listening. We even went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court didn't hear our case. Two years ago, this could have been resolved. Mm -hmm. Well, sure enough. And this is uh, obviously, I'm sure you know you, you and your audience have heard the Gonzalez case and, and another Twitter case are currently being considered by the Supreme Court. I believe there might even be a third. Uh, I haven't quite confirmed that yet, but the reality is, is Section 230 has been taken up by the Supreme Court. It's a great thing. Things yeah. are changing, right? Well, recently uh, I was passed the uh, amicus, right, which is essentially it's a friendly brief by a non-moving party. It's just somebody right. from the outside that decided to do it. Well, in this case, it was Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, right? <laughs> so you think a senator might know something about legislation and how the law would work because he's in the branch of government that does that, right? I think he might, yeah. Yeah, you think. Well. <laughs> I want to read you a short quote, and this synopsizes the whole thing in one short quote. Okay, ready for this? Mm -hmm. He said, quote, once the court restores the proper inter interpretation of 230C1, the important but narrow immunity that Congress conferred in 230C2 will regain its place and prominence in suits about online service providers' removal and restrictions of content. In other words... If they fix 230C1, content restrictions will finally apply to the proper subsection. It would work again. And mm -hmm. so what they've said here is, and he, he went on to say in Section 3, he said, the court, this court, meaning the Supreme Court, should correct the Ninth Circuit's flawed interpretation of 230C and remand for revaluation of petitioner's claims. In other words, this court, meaning the Supreme Court, needs to fix what the Ninth Circuit Court screwed up. Guess which court screwed my case up? The Ninth, the Ninth Circuit, Circuit Court. right? Yeah. So that's so, where we're sitting at, at the moment in terms of, you know, so kind of what's next is, is really what you're asking, I guess, right? Well, well, that narrow, the narrow interpretation of Section 230, is it C2? Uh, C2. That's supposed mm -hmm. to apply. 
How is that supposed to work for these companies? Well, see, okay, it's a little intricate, so I'm kind of I'm going to walk through this slowly. If you go back to 230C1 and you can't treat them as a publisher, all publishing is covered, all of it. That's wrong. Right. It was only supposed to be the protections of a platform, meaning they can't be treated as someone else, not as themselves. That doesn't make any sense, right? So when that means that 230C2 starts to work again, as, mm -hmm. as Ted Cruz says, and what that means is, is that in that circumstance, everybody goes, oh, well, then it goes back to otherwise objectionable, which first off has never applied. But secondly, there's a measure of good faith in there. Now, most people have no idea what that means. Now, now you would think, okay, well, it's just in good faith. But what is in good faith against? Meaning good right. faith of what? Well, believe it or not, that's actually in there too that nobody even talks about, nobody knows about. Mm -hmm. It's called Good Samaritan. The whole law that protects these companies, the fundamental principle, the motivation that they're supposed to be acting under is they're supposed to be a Good Samaritan for the good of others. Mm -hmm. That's what good faith relates to. They have to be acting for the good of others. Well, let me ask you, Colonel, do you think that they have been acting as a good Samaritan in good faith? <laughs> well, no, obviously not, because they've taken this almost unlimited immunity uh, and uh, been able to use it as a U.S. government uh, agency and intelligence apparatus uh, oh, yeah. agent. Uh, mm -hmm. agent for the U.S. government in violation of the most basic law yep. uh, and supreme law of this land, and that's the First Amendment to the Constitution of the yep. United States. So, but but they are supposed to be able to, and I'm assuming under this section, you know, like Justice Thomas talked about, content that's harmful to children. Uh, they're supposed Correct. to be able to remove that kind of stuff and not be held liable for that. Correct. Right? That's that's the good Samaritan piece. In, in that's what it was terms. intended right? to do. That right. that's what it was intended to do. However, it has worked to the exact opposite, which protects them when they don't do it deliberately. Yeah, and I don't think any thinking American has a problem with what it's intended to do. No, it's, no it's the nobody other would argue that. It's the other side that has resulted in now this government and social media, big tech, oligarch, leviathan, that I don't know that any anybody uh, in the U.S. Congress has this responsibility to get the executive branch under control. I don't know that anybody has the power in the United States of America or any entity to bring this back under the control that it should be where it's no longer harmful to the American citizen. Uh, so what is the next step along this legal path before we get to the big, you know, the big Leviathan question. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. So there's there's really two two working elements here, and this is where there's several. You know, obviously there's there isn't always just one solution to a problem. There's several right. solutions to this problem here, and um, obviously, as you mentioned, I'm I'm the founder of the Social Media Freedom Foundation, and our goal is to restore our freedoms online. That that is our mm -hmm. pure goal, and and you know. The, the, the solutions that we're working on, there's, and like I said, there's multiple. The first one is to fix the immediate, is the textual issue, which is to say that the courts uh, for the past two and a half decades have relied on precedent, policy, and procedure. What they mean by that is, is that they said, hey, well, we think Congress meant this. We think yeah. that 
Congress meant to intend to immunize all publishing conduct. Well, that's not what it says. That's literally not the words that are on that document. And you know what they call that, sir? They call that legislating from the bench. Sure that's is. what's happened here is the, the courts have basically turned Section 230 into something that it was never intended to be. It's the translation between legislation and the courts. Well, now the Supreme Court has 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 the opportunity, but also I believe is going to take the opportunity to correct this. There are a lot of amicus briefs that are out there that align identically to our case. And and frankly speaking, Gonzalez is a good case, but it's not superior to ours. Ours handles this specific problem, this textual versus policy and purpose conflict. It's It doesn't do what they say it yeah. does, where the text says it does what it was supposed to do, meaning right. the legislation is the legislature in this case, not the courts. So that case right now, um, I am actually about to petition the Supreme Court, believe it or not. That's what I was working on right before the show. Uh, we are working on a uh, cert petition that will be in the Supreme Court before they uh, they hear the Gonzalez case. So mm -hmm. this may be able to be, um, I believe they call it consolidation. They can consolidate the case and rule on all of them simultaneously, at which case I will finally see what most people don't realize is, and this is something that's, that's I guess it, it's actually a good segue to the next issue, which is the, the deprivation of rights. Right. Facebook took my property and denied me liberty under the protection of government. That right. amounts to an illegal taking, right? Mm -hmm. I'm entitled to due process. I'm entitled to be heard when my – I mean, and people say, oh, they can do whatever they want because they're, they're a private company. Well, first off, they're a corporation. <laughs> Secondly, no corporation or a private entity can't do anything it wants. I mean, it can't yeah. shoot you, can it? No. It can't steal your stuff, can it? It can't um, – unlawfully detain you right right these are all things that in that impart due process mm -hmm. well i had gone all the way to the supreme court and was never heard not one judge heard me right i never got i never saw a court never saw a judge nothing in other words my due process rights were harmed i was harmed by the u.s government which changed the you know it was a pivot because now i'm not just saying well facebook harmed me right now the U.S. government harmed me as well because the U.S. government has wrote, who wrote Section 230, is it not? It is. And Facebook did not dismiss itself, did it? Nope. No, that was the courts. So what that means is, is that as I petition the Supreme Court, there's also an element of constitutionality. Right. This, this law has been denying us of our rights. Now it's just become much more prevalent with the Twitter files. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you, you mentioned in one of the articles about a constitutional case. Now, is this the same case uh, or is this a nope. new case? So I knew that this was a deprivation of rights for a while. I, uh -huh. I've known that the government was working with them. It is becoming globally known now. Yep. The difference is, is just how many people know. Mm -hmm. Now a lot of people realize what was going on. Well, we've, of course, known that for a long time. And... Because everybody, I, I get asked all the time, so what does it do? How does it change your case? What? Well, the reality is it's just evidence. It's evidence of what we've already brought forward. Now, mm -hmm. going back, when the Supreme Court denied me of a single hearing, right? That was the final. I had gotten no remedy whatsoever for the taking of my property and my liberty. I started working on a constitutional challenge, as, as we are talking about here. Mm -hmm. And we filed that in April of this past year. Okay. And I stood on the Capitol steps with Congressman Gomert, 
and we announced this thing. Media completely ignored it. Most people do not know it even exists, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It's amazing. It's like, wait, you're already fighting this? Yes, we are already fighting the problem that is already going on well before the Twitter files, but now we have more evidence that it's correct. It's, it's real. There is a relationship between the government and these private entities, mm -hmm. these, these companies, these uh, corporations. Now, th this is where I want to – it gets a little confusing as to who's responsible for – okay? Right. But in a constitutional challenge, we are not really even suing the government. What we're suing is the law itself. The government, the executive branch of the government, is able to defend it. Right. Okay? Mm -hmm. It is no surprise that the United States Attorney General is trying to get my case kicked out on standing. Well, of course, Article 3 standing comes down to who's harm. And they're saying, well, none of what Facebook did is traceable to the United States government. No, but I sued <laughs> Facebook for Facebook's situation. I'm now suing the government for what the government did to me. It's not super complicated, but of yeah. course, that's how our DOJ is currently working. It's also probably no surprise that out of all the amicus, the DOJ's amicus wants to side with Google. But everybody else says, no. Does that tell you something? Because the government and the DOJ is working with Google. It's it's li literally what they're saying is, hey, don't protect or, or don't uh, don't fight against our buddy over here that's doing our job, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I mean, you can't ask for better evidence know, uh, it, that, it, it's, that, that these so-called private companies are acting officially as government agents. Correct. The reality is, is that they are acting under the protection of government, Section 230, mm -hmm. and they are being implemented in a way that's absolute sovereignty, no due process, no hearings, no nothing. You can't get to discovery to see, was that suggested by the government? But what Elon Musk did was he exposed all of it. He, he It is undeniable now that they they had legitimate like sessions with each other. They had meetings on a regular, they had lists. And to sit there and say, I mean, think about this. And this is really more of a global problem than just the internet. Yeah. The government has basically laundered government function through private entities. We saw that with the COVID lockdowns, all of the Amazons, all the big ones. They, mm -hmm. I mean, it was the biggest shift in wealth in human history. Yeah ever yeah. why because they're working with all these big money guys the reality is is that it, this fight that we have it's not really left right it's not black white it's not the all these are little divisions the big mm -hmm. division is between wealth and poverty it, it is the poor yeah. versus the rich and if you're not in that class you get no help elon is yeah. that one unicorn that yep one of the richest men on the planet and money doesn't phase him it's an amazing well, thing. Well, what yeah, he did. yeah. H had you been able to get your lawsuit uh, heard, then mm -hmm. you would have gotten discovery against Facebook Correct. and the equivalent of the Twitter files. Correct. Uh, from what we've seen so far, I think there's a lot more to that that's not being shown yet, or may never be shown. Uh, well, by, that's by exactly us. what. But but discovery would open all of that, mm -hmm. up, wouldn't it? Yeah, that see, that's exactly what Eric Schmidt and uh, Jeff Landry are doing with with what is a Missouri versus Biden, is right. they've circumvented Section two thirty and said, "Hey, Internet's got nothing to do with this. This has to do with the Biden side, the executive side, not the Internet side." And they right. managed to bypass two thirty. I can't because the relationship of here, I can't. 
let me put it this way. The petition that I have coming to the Supreme Court is me versus Facebook. The, yeah. the other lawsuit is me versus the law versus the government itself. And in order to bring that case, I have to have been harmed. It's the equivalent of what Eric Schmidt and Jeff Landry are doing, but right straight through Section 230. And, and let me put it a different way that, you know, because obviously it's good to simplify this for audiences. Everybody has tried to find a way around Section 230. I am the only individual that is plowing straight through the center of it. We are bulldozing through, taking all the hits, going the slowest possible route that that, that is takeable, but it's correcting it. It well, will ultimately well, yeah, fix this. Yeah, Jason, I mean, I mean, what you're getting at, really, I, I've been involved in court cases against the Veterans Administration. And what the justices and the judges that try to do is follow Congress's intent when you're because we're always fighting against a piece of legislation or rulemaking from the, from the government agency, uh, saying that they're not meeting the legislature's intent. Uh, and meanwhile, the, the intent is actually their intent. That's right, why. Right. So you're mm -hmm. following the legislative intent and trying to get the courts to do their job, and the courts yeah. are really legislating. Uh, from the bench, some of the courts. Uh, well, we're not even relying. Like that's circuit, right? Yeah, we're not even really relying on the intent. What we're relying on is the words. What does it say? Like, yes, the right. intent was not at all to be what they're saying it is right now. It is not supposed to protect all right. publishing, no matter how bad it is, how unlawful. That's ridiculous. Right. I right. mean, that's what, what I'm saying. Yeah, the words. What do the are words the say? Of Congress, the words yeah. are. I mean, con exactly. The justices that I've worked with. Uh, the judges that are when they're making these decisions, they they are loath to try to add intent to Congress if they're yep. honorable people, if they're not correct, if they're not activist judges. Yep. Uh, and and most of the people that I've run into in those types of cases, that's what they do. We do not want to. They openly say it in court. We will not add to what we think Congress's intent was. Uh, and in this case, you're the plaintiff is actually following the words of the law that Congress passed, so the most, the most narrow path of Congress's intent. And the courts are saying completely otherwise. Am I got, have I got that right? Yeah. In fact, I'll give you a good example. And, and this is a very simple one that is a textual mistake that is a very easy one to follow. If I said that you can't be treated as a publisher, that's any publisher at all, right? Yep. That means you just simply can't be treated as a publisher in the general sense. But the law actually says you can't be treated as the publisher, which is right. an identifier. It's called a, a definite article. It, you know who the publisher is, and that would be some other, another information content provider. That simple conversion just from A to the or the to A changes who the publisher is. Meanwhile, the courts are over all talking about what a publisher does and what a publisher is. Well, it's irrelevant. We only need to know who it is because you can't be treated as them. Right. Those basic things that are textual, you just got to read it for what it says, fixes it. It changes everything. It's amazing. It, it is amazing when you, when you do that. So, so take us through your constitutional case and the rights issue. Uh, and now that we've got confirmation that these big tech companies are actually agents of the United States federal government agencies and intelligence uh, organizations, it's not just the intelligence folks, uh, uh, guys, folks. It's it's also agencies. If you look at the COVID issue, the Health and Human Services, 
right. and those types of agencies have really uh, put uh, put their thumb on the story of uh, the facts and the truth uh, around that issue, around the COVID and the COVID vaccine, and it's from everything from its origination, the disease's origination to today, and, and the results of the vaccine. Uh, so, so this this constitutional case, how does that address the rights issue? Okay, so let's go back to the law itself, right? Mm-hmm. What they're doing with these companies, with the Twitter files, with with the interaction between government and private entities, they're laundering state action through it, right? That's mm-hmm. pretty much the easiest way to explain it. They're laundering the state right. action through a private entity and saying, hey, we didn't do anything. We just suggested it heavily as we protect them and say hey i mean and and the funny thing is is that you would say yeah but they you know they don't exactly lose their protection if if they don't do it and then you have literally adam schiff saying you'll lose your protection if you don't do more moderation i mean it's like i mean how much more do you need but let's go back because everybody says well then that's state action you can't prove the the uh the directive well we can prove it right at the law itself believe it or not Mm -hmm. so the first thing we look at with this Section 230 is the structure of it. What type of law is it? And it's called an administrative law. It gives, it, it delegates regulatory authority. It says to these companies, you're allowed to regulate U.S. citizens, world citizens, everybody, right? Mm-hmm. You can't, nobody can argue that. It, they are able to regulate other people. The thing about that is, is that when you delegate regulatory authority from Congress, you have to lay down an intelligible principle. What that means is, the basic motivation. They did that. Right. Good Samaritan. So we know that this is an administrative law. Sure. Well, administrative laws and administrative authority goes to agents because right. they're commissioning somebody to do something. And somebody right. said, well, it doesn't, it's voluntary. It's yeah. voluntary whether to do it or not. But if they do it, it is still state action. What I mean by that. The first line is very telling. This is the title of this section that protects them. Protection for Good Samaritan Blocking and Screening of Offensive Materials. Right? Right. Well, Congress said block and screen offensive materials. Did they not? They did. There's your directive. They told them what to do. Now, they have a voluntary choice whether to do it or not. If they do it, they're acting as a state actor. If they don't do it, they can't be treated as someone else. Very simple. Right. I've just rendered the mm-hmm. whole thing down to the basics. And what right. do they get in return? Protection. So they are protected as a state agent to voluntarily act at the directive of state. They're still a state agent. That's so right. fundamentally, we sat there and we said in a constitutional challenge, they're state agents. It's delegated authority. You can't do that. Not only that, but it's completely contra- contradiction to the Constitution because it says that they can remove materials even if the materials are constitutionally protected. Those are the exact mm-hmm. words. And it's like, <laughs> that's basic. Like, you just can't do that, you know? And, mm-hmm. and everybody says, well, they can because they're a private entity. But the government can't protect it. That's the point. Right. The right. government overstepped its bounds. Yes, the, the sites can still take down content no matter what. They should not be protected from government to restrict lawful speech. Why? Watch the rest of this interview on Red Voice Media Premium using the link below. Completely uncensored and ad-free. Not a member yet? Try it for $1.